Hey, Dame. Yo. Do you happen to have any idea who this episode is brought to you by? Oh, I think I have a clue. I think I know. <laughs> this episode of Ergo is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. And if you know Ergo, we love independent and we love shit not being locked down. So <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. Hey there, welcome. And for some of you, welcome back. And for some of you, welcome for the first time. Um, my name is Susie Schultz. I am the Executive Director of the Museum of Broadcast Communication. This is the Happy Half Hour. We're going to get right in it because we have these two phenomenal gentlemen here as guests, um, Daniel Kinslinger and Damon Williams. And you know what I'm going to do? I don't normally do this. Usually I just decide to... Well, that's my phone. That's so... Um, uh, um, Hello. That's our um, that's our uh, intro music. Yeah, <laughs> that's my ring. Um, uh, um, the most of the time I don't read this stuff. I just try to talk about who the person is. But I love. Um, I'm a, a word person, and I love the nuance of the words you used when you describe everything. So I'm going to do it this way. Damon Williams is a movement builder, organizer, hip hop performing artist, educator, and media maker from the South Side of Chicago and co-host of Ergo. He's the co-director of the hashtag Let Us Breathe Collective. As a result of that work, he built the hashtag Breathing Room Space with the mission of utilizing. I did cut a little bit, you noticed. Um, with the mission Please of do. utilizing cultural production and popular education to redistribute power and resources. Eradicate systemic, systemic, eradicate, I don't want to pronounce it because I don't want to deal with it. Eradicated systemic <laughs> violence and transform inequity. Damon is also a community and cultural organizer at the Chicago Torture Justice Center. And Williams started acting at a young age in many commercials and movies. That one was like a what a curve. Um, he attended college where he found his voice as a performer of spoken word poetry and as the creator and co-host of KDIC 88.5 weekly hip hop radio show, The Boombox, which was accompanied by I love these bios. These bios are not, and I can't believe I have not turned off my phone. It would be really nice to do that. Um, um, but, uh, uh, um, and now I'm going to Daniel. And I love that you're called Kiss. I think that's just really cute. Um, <laughs> he is a Chicago-based host and producer who creates dialogue-based media, showcasing the stories, voices, and artworks of communities, challenging power, reconfiguring public life, and reimagining our world. I love that none of these things are simple. Um, he is the co-host and co-executive producer of Ergo, a weekly podcast and cultural media hub in Chicago that reshapes the culture of the city and beyond for the more equitable and creative. He's a member of the hashtag Let Us Breathe Collective. Daniel was previously the host and executive producer of Erasing Boundaries, a weekly interview show on KDIC 88.5 FM. Thank you, Cornell. An online folio feature conversation with artists who strive to erase music and cultural boundaries, including hip hop stars, Kendrick Lamar, here's your name dropping buddy, Peter Rock, Chance the Rapper, and many others. A native of New Yorker, he was also station manager, KDIC 88.5 at Grinnell. I take it you guys met at Grinnell. That's a good. That is where we met. The, the deduction is strong. Also, no one doing your research that, that deep in the bios. 
and that's on us because it's still up there uh, on the website. But you you went you went deep into the bios, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I, I I love because your work is complex, and your work is it's there's nothing tight, short, easy, simple about it. You're all about going deeper. You're all about understanding nuance. And I thought to try to edit that down would be, would just go against the grain. It would be criminal. <laughs> so, but tell, um, uh, um, and either of you can start, tell me a little bit about Ergo is it's a long form podcast, um, um, company, right? It's, it's, tell me more about it. Tell everybody about it so they know. And meanwhile, I'll turn off my phone. <laughs> Dan, you want to kick it off? Take it away, yes. No, I'll throw it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ergo uh, is a weekly radio show, podcast, and uh, movement media hub based here in Chicago. Uh, we've been doing this show together since 2015, summer 2015, uh, and it emerged out of both the really vibrant, rich, creative community here in Chicago, as well as the burgeoning social movements uh, that we both found ourselves committed to and involved in around that time. Uh, And so for the last almost six years now, we've been building this living archive of movement workers and creative workers, um, providing a space for folks to tell their own stories in their own words. And and in in more recent years, really using it as a a public education tool around social movement, as well as a way to uplift and support uh, the wonderful art and music, especially that's being made in the city. It's just, does that do it? That doesn't yeah, no, he, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he did a phenomenal job. <laughs> well, I, I look at it too as just a, a wonderful historical reference for the names of our time who are changing our time, but are not being covered by the powers that be. Would that be accurate as well? Yeah, Go ahead, one, one of the most conscious efforts of the project uh, was to create a historical uh, archive and to, to have a database or research source for future generations of folks who want to engage in movement and creative work. Um, so one of the the impetus or inspirations as somebody growing up in Chicago uh, and engaging and organizing the, the, the legacy of Fred Hampton looms so large. Um, and, and in many ways, he is, you know, this messianic figure for us. Uh, but there's only about under an hour of his voice anywhere on the internet when you splice it all together. And that just feels like a historical tragedy. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that we want to make sure is 30, 40 years from now, when people look back at this time, because we were pretty clear that there was something historically significant uh, developing and taking place, we want young people or folks who are trying to understand how the world changed to have at least an hour of folks telling their story from, from a first-hand subjective uh, position. Yeah, it is um, It's so rich with names and with issues and ideas uh, for people who really care about how to think this stuff out, um, um, as opposed to, you know, the quick hits we're so used to seeing on on television or on radio, and it's it's so it's even more than just the um, uh, the casual podcast. You're going to go and you want um, you know you're getting a full meal on this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean we kind of think of it as the the 201 course sometimes on some of these issues. Um, we're not providing necessarily the the initial framing, though we do try to do that. And I think that there's this middle ground between the inside baseball especially when it comes to um, sociopolitical work where everyone assumes that the, the hosts assume that the listeners all know what they're talking about. 
and then the we're starting from scratch and this is your first day in the conversation and we're trying to kind of build that in between space of I've seen these ideas I've engaged with them I might even feel like some of them are ideas I agree with or I'm trying to carry with me as values um, but I want to learn more about what does this mean for my daily life and for my community around me um, and so yeah you a full meal is right I was talking to a family member this week who is like uh, you know you got a lot of episodes and I was like you're telling me I had to edit them all <laughs> Some baby you got there. Um, <laughs> kind of a compliment without actually saying a good word, isn't yeah. it? Um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I think that what's really amazing is that um, in some, for some populations, this is more um, an, a quote unquote unseen invisible area. And for others, this is, uh, um, this is just telling their story. And, um, and so I would, how do you, how do you see trying to make sure that those groups intersect? Because to me, that's part of where some of the, um, uh, um, where you're, also able to shake up things a little bit more and and bring about change um, um, and do you do you see that as part of your mission as well when we thought about our imagined audience there was always someone who wanted to find a way into this work and, and into this world but wasn't quite sure where to start and this was built to be an entry point um, but I, I think more and more we've seen part of the mission is that it's not just about for folks who are, quote, on the outside looking in, even though there's no such thing as the outside of structural power. Um, it's not just about here's a look in or, you know, we're a, a cosign into access uh, of what's happening in these spaces, but we're also going to try to not just implicate, but but invite you uh, to participate and put something on the line so you don't get to just take and enjoy and consume, um, but the, the real joy comes from participation. If there's anything that we're trying to do, it's trying to bring more people into this work, trying to bring more people into these spaces and into these conversations, because that's where the real magic is. I, th I think, you know, community is a, a central theme and, and a philosophical approach to how we create our content and, and have, have built out our platform. Um, so particularly in the earlier uh, uh, seasons or, or uh, iterations of, of the work and the show, uh, one of the things that was really exciting is the idea of the people that we want to have on and be in these conversations, actually listening and learning and gathering uh, new knowledge. And so not assuming uh, that all these folks that are working together or that are showing up in the same spaces actually know each other or know each other's background or, or origin stories or about their parents or, or um, the different type of interest they had that intersects maybe before they were transformed by some type of uh, a movement experience. And so one of the things that's really important is how do we create a discourse for the room itself? Uh, and so that it can see itself and, and be a, um, a space or a highway for us to create higher and also more collectivized consciousness, uh, where we can go a little bit more in depth with some of these ideas, values, and principles that guide our community that doesn't have always the infrastructure to stay connected. Yeah. And I love that you, you take literally that the, the the political is personal and that um, uh, um because it always has been and it always will be but you go down to find out who the people are why they're involved in this what is driving them and what you know what is that sense of justice as well as injustice that they're living through that is um that is moving them to expand to work because that's what I mean, you know, I don't know many of the justice movements, many of the things that I've covered and many of the work that I've done, 
as a reporter, et cetera, um, you just do see people finally saying to themselves when you ask for their origin, I couldn't stand it anymore. It was the wrong, I couldn't live this way. I could not say anything. I had to do this, whether it was my music or my, my voice or, or whatever, I had to speak out. And, uh, and, and finding what motivates people is, um, is what can bring other people on board as well, I think. So that's my, um, that is my duh category for, um, for your, for your. <laughs> no, I, c- I couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more that the, the how and the why are the questions that we're always pushing toward. We can establish the what pretty quickly, but once you get to those how and why questions of why people see themselves the way they do, why they put their energy into the things they do, uh, how they're hoping to transform their world, that's where those kinds of connections are that really, you know, this is supposed to be joyous work. This is supposed to be building joy, this movement work. Um, and that doesn't mean you divorce it from, from the, the challenge of it. But um, when you get to the how and why, usually it's from a place of, of searching for some sort of joy or fulfillment or liberation. I was just going to add that, you know, I think we also really um, strive to establish position or positionality of the people and the work that we're covering. Um, and so understanding that position is subjective and relative is really important. Uh, and so one, being able to place folks uh, whether that's spatially in the city relative to other things or uh, place folks on a political spectrum, uh, but then also as the creators and crafters and curators of, of the conversation, making sure that we're also placing ourselves. So one of the, the modes or models that we've really been working to challenge or deconstruct is this notion of an objective storyteller or a passive observer or a disengaged mediator of the discourse. And so part of where we're able to go in our conversation is not only because we're explaining where folks are relative to their ecosystem, uh, but also where we are as participants or as believers of this, right? Like we are not disconnected uh, from the things we're talking about. And so bringing in our own passion and own experience uh, is, is really important and something that we had to like uh, reflect really intentionally on how we show up and also our own privilege uh, to make sure that we do not take up too much space when really working to centering this communal effort and, and widespread work. I, and, and clearly the work that you've done in audio or whatever, at, at what you're talking, talk a little bit more, if you can, Damon, about um, the Let Us Breathe Collective, because that is, that's an offshoot of this, or did that happen in a, in a parallel way, or was it a result of these conversations where you... Yeah, so in many ways, you know, coexist and... and um, yeah, there's there's a deep coexistence. The Let Us Breathe Collective uh, emerged before Ergo in so many ways. Um, you know, the perspective that I and Daniel are able to bring is very much shaped by uh, an origin in direct action and creating cultural space um, to talk about radical imagination or to be in resistance to state violence and uh, uh, powerful systems of oppression. Uh, and so what we found as the Let Us Breathe Collective as an organization that was connecting artists and educators um, to respond initially uh, to the uprising of Ferguson after the, the murder of Mike Brown in 2014. Uh, but then we found ourselves consistently showing up um, in Chicago and the Chicago Police Department is one of the most violent institutions in America. Uh, and so we had a lot of work to do here. And in doing that work, what we found was that there was an intersection of folks that showed up 
with the other type of spaces that fed us. So we would see on Tuesday the over mic, and then the action on Friday and Saturday, and it would be a lot of the same places. It's a lot of the same faces, or the the mm-hmm. conversation at a, 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 a theater play talk show, um, and maybe some conference at uh, you know on a campus at UIC, we're seeing a lot of overlap. And so what Ergo was intending to do um, in connection with the work that Les Breathe is doing that has expanded to the breathing room space on the South Side, where we distribute resources and create uh, space for learning and cultural production. Uh, what Ergo intends to do is to be a, a, a documenter, an amplifier, um, and like a, 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 a somewhat independent partner. Um, that helps frame and contextualize the work on a larger scale and also do a better job of talking to people beyond the city uh, because that's the beauty of the technology uh, is that so much of the work that we're doing, whether it's Freedom Square or just like a protest or a class, is able to be in discussion uh, with people listening in Utah or Zimbabwe or back in you know the Bronx where, where Kiss is from. Uh, and so that's been, it's been an exciting marriage uh, between the two spaces and they definitely inform each other. So it's kind of this umbrella of the work and the action, um, as well as the storytelling about the, the people who are in it and the and the reasons behind that, as well as the issues themselves. Would that be accurate? Or? That yeah, definitely, I'd, that say, definitely I'd say for the most part, and I think part of what's been interesting is over the years, seeing that dichotomy break down a little bit and understanding uh, that on the media side, our role and responsibility is not just to record or document or showcase, um, but to serve as a tool that the ways that those uh, skills can serve as tools for movement. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not this external reflection of what's happening, but it actually can actually be an an active uh, contribution uh, to the work that's happening. Because like I said, there's no space, no tool, no uh, skill that lives outside of this fight. I think what's interesting is that when um, when there are new movements and new um, um, even if they uh, people struggle to find language that's equitable, different language, and and the and that is I think a wonderful stage of um, of, of pushing things forward. But what happens is sometimes um, other people who are not part of it don't always understand the language don't always understand exactly what it is, and they strive for familiarity in it um, um, and to try to contextualize, okay, what are you doing? And then it's like, oh, okay, all right. Okay, you're telling the story of the people who are involving, involved with this, um, and you're also helping them move to action, and you're also just so, – so that's kind of what I try to do because I, I don't um, – I know that one of the things, one of the biggest struggles we all have is understanding one another. Um, and, uh, um, and, and sometimes the new language, while important and while crucial and while much more just, can throw people off. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that they don't need to be thrown off and they don't need to change, but um, hopefully you can bring them along if they understand, you know, this is not as, as complicated as you think it is. This is really just um, um, people with important voices and stuff. So I... I um, I don't. I know we're dragging this down into kind of this discussion, but um, the the podcasts are fascinating in themselves. The shows are fascinating in themselves because you also. Um, I noticed that that you have you have different lanes for different subjects mm-hmm. that you're putting together seminars and different things, variety of things. So you're talking right. about um, justice in various lanes, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I would love you to just bring up some of the ones that, because how and how they, how you came to them, 
Um, you've had you've had a whole seminar on uh, um, on AIDS, which is interesting because that's a that's a subject that everybody um, um, is kind of like you know oh we've done that haven't we um uh, um because we all marched for that long ago um and uh, um and it's, it's again one of those issues that um uh, public facing people think is addressed but continues to march on when um uh, when uh, society turns away from to uh, when society turns to other things collectively does that make any sense so tell talk yeah. a little bit about stuff you're doing for sure no and the the short answer that starts a longer answer as is often what we do uh, is that it's all very emergent so you know we started out each episode was a different guest and the name of that episode was the name of that guest and for about three and a half almost four years that was how we did the show was we were trying to find a different person to kind of profile showcase celebrate each week um, and then as was the case for many people uh, in pandemic we had one to pivot how we did things but also we started asking some questions about what would be the most useful way uh, to use our platform and so we started forming these themed suites of episodes so rather than uh, you know just talking to a different person and some themes would overlap loosely but from week to week but it wasn't kind of under an umbrella. Um, we started out by doing a suite of conversations with uh, frontline workers in various uh, definitions of frontline. So from um, people working within the jails and prisons in Illinois, to uh, public school teachers, to uh, writers and reporters who were covering what was happening. Um, and then in the midst of uprising, uh, we decided to take on a suite around abolition and. Uh, of both policing and prisons, which has been a topic that's obviously been central to our work for a long time, but to kind of create this 201 umbrella um, to help people go deeper in their conversations. Uh, and then we talked some folks around education, uh, and then a suite of writers, uh, and then we're just wrapping up now a suite uh, with a bunch of mentors talking about mentorship. Um, and then in addition to those, the, the other thing that informs what we're talking about and who we're talking to are our partnerships. So in addition to a regular show, we'll develop tracks or suites of episodes in partnership with different community organizations, institutions, uh, and individuals. So what you were mentioning with the seminar, uh, we've been working with UIC uh, to showcase uh, the series of conversations around um, radical care and real alternatives in our current moment. Um, we've partnered with a bunch of different organizations to develop original shows uh, as well. So it's, it's less about like, what are the things that we have to cover uh, and more what are the things that we feel are important or that we're receiving? These are the conversations that the people around us need the space to process um, and how can we facilitate that space making? And so, so many of our conversations are shaped by the actual relationships we have in this work and, and responding to you know, what people are offering to, to movement, um, but also to your question of like, the wider range of topics and like bringing up the episode of the seminar that um, discussed HIV AIDS. Um, you know, it's just some like language that I think is really important to understand our work. You may hear us use the word radical, uh, radical imagination, and that may really like uh, scare people or be received as we're saying extremists. Uh, but when we use the word radical, we are saying to the root uh, or really meaning holistic, right? So the, the totality of human relationship or society is what we are discussing when we're talking about power or when we're talking about oppression or inequity. And so within that, there's a wide a range of, uh, of topics that can fit in there. 
and that all of these issues intersect. So racism is not separate from sexism, is not separate from imperialism, is not separate from labor issues. They always have interconnections. Um, so for example, we can talk to someone about a seed bank or talk to someone about a garment co-op or talk to someone about uh, a literacy class. And in that those separate topics, uh, we'll find some of the structural connections and structural themes uh, on a local and global level. Uh, and so I think the, the joy of kind of where we're able to pop around is because we have this framework about changing the world. Um, and so within that kind of the whole world is fair game. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse, yeah. What's beautiful about starting a, um, um, a, uh, uh, an episode of the many work through the many works episodes you've done is that you don't know what you're going to get. It's going to, it might have a title to it, but you get all sorts of other things in it, ideas, opinions, and stuff that you didn't expect. And it's just a, it's a wonderful ride through ideas and creativity. I, I guess I wanted to also ask, um, uh, Unfortunately, I'm spending too much time on this because it's like, I want to grasp this and make sure that everybody <laughs> understands. But I, I wanted to get your opinions as well. We start new things because um, we're not getting satisfaction from the old things. And um, the old things that uh, um, one of the things we're looking at right now at the museum is 100 years of radio. Radio, commercial radio just uh, celebrated uh, um, October this is the hundredth year. So we'll be opening this exhibit and we'll be looking at not only whose voices were there, whose voices were not there. Um, uh, what is the, what's the importance of that to society? How does it, you know, what is the influence? We're looking at the science of radio, the business of radio and the influence of radio. And if I asked you that question about what do you think um, the influence of radio has been, and why do you think it hasn't been covering what you think is important? What would you, what would you, how would you answer that? The phenomenal question. Um, so Daniel and I both have a very like nostalgic relationship to radio. So my father uh, is a comedian. And so he worked formally and informally with many of the, the radio stations and black radio um, here in Chicago. So I grew up knowing the people that I was hearing on the station um, and being able to see what it looks like behind the board. Um, and so with that, I have a, a very personal affinity and romantic relationship to the space, uh, but then also understanding it culturally and historically, um, it was the, the public town square. It was the space for public information. It was the space for comedy, for, you know, it was a lot of people's firsthand source for news. Um, it was on every day on the way to school. And so, um, in many ways, it was the the continuation of like the town hall. Uh, but I think where we are now and what the um, creation of podcasts is, expo is exposing is that we really experienced a regression in my lifetime. And so not to be too historical, uh, but the consolidation of media, uh, I was able to watch comedians go from having a five minute segment, um, you know, every hour. Uh, that was just them and their, just their material to maybe having five minutes over a four hour block um, and seeing that the ownership chains were kind of consolidating. And with that, it crushed a lot of the creativity and a lot of non-corporate approved messages and voices um, that I think we've seen impact in terms of the scope of what's covered, how things are discussed. Um, and so that's why we're fortunate to be, you know, somewhat established now in this emergent space that's kind of counteracting this like corporate vice script that really um, truncated discourse, I would say, over the last 15 to 20 years that when I grew up uh, was certainly not the case. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Kiss. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and 
thinking about the different the, thinking about the difference between closeness and intimacy. And I think what radio inherently can provide is closeness. Um, you know, someone's voice is in your ear, even if you're in the car, they're in the car with you. However, you're listening, there's this relationship that I think is really unique in relation to other media. Uh, you're not watching somebody, you're in conversation with them, or you're listening to them in this different way. But closeness, like I said, doesn't inherently equal intimacy. Intimacy is on the part of the producers, the creators, the people who are saying the things to think about what are the ways that we breathe humanity into our media making process? What are the ways that we make sure that, you know, Damon often says media, you know, is the plural of medium. Medium just means in the middle, right? There's nothing inherently good or bad with some caveats about these tools. They're tools. Um, and with this tool in the middle, I think I really love the moments in which creators take seriously that responsibility to create intimacy. Um, and that's something that I know I really strive to do in my work. And it sounds like it's a personal thing, but actually there's so much potential in that intimacy building. And it's something that's, you know, so rare and people are so hungry for right now. Yeah. It just gives you hope and a way to move forward when you have more information. I mean, news is all about, um, when you go down to the definition of it, news, we're, we're getting signed off. News is about giving information that will allow them to act. And, it, yeah. and, and when you start thinking that news is about making sure that you make money um, or information is about making sure you move away from that mission of allowing people to act. I think we're done. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the jingle's going. I'm ready. I love it. <laughs> ready to jab out. We, 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 didn't have a, we didn't have a boom jingle for it. I, I always try to leave on a boom jingle when I got a jingle coming, but it wasn't here for us today. Instead, we had profound truth. <laughs> So thank you both. Thank you both. I hope that everybody um, uh, tunes in, goes to your website, um, looks and explores in these pieces. You know, sometimes when you're looking at stuff and it looks a little bit scary, you're totally wrong. This stuff is amazing and wonderful. It's creative. It ignites your brain and it also touches your heart. So please, um, please visit our Go Podcast and thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.